I like my message today because I, 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 like, I like to be a life giver. It's a life-giving message, and yet it's a message that you, can, you, you don't have to be a man, although it's about mighty men. You can be a woman. You can be you know, a child. You can be just any person that wants to grow in Christ today, and that's who I really want to deal with. But we're going to talk specifically to the, man, to the men in the house. I, Janie had showed me something. I don't know if it was on Instagram or if we, we saw it at one of the stores. It, it, it's, it's, it's really cool, cool statement. I didn't give it the first service. I should have. It's not a dad bod that children need. It's a father figure that they're looking up to. I think that's so appropriate in the world today where we have things that are noticed in our iPhones, our phones, whatever phone you carry, social media, and we can look at different things, and all of a sudden, those things become our image. They become what we want to be like. Maybe it's somebody in Hollywood on our social media, an influencer, or maybe it's a, a politician or a governor or some local representative. God wants us to follow him. He, he wants us to look at him and adore him. And although there are other people that are put in place over us, maybe in some form of leadership form, he wants to make leaders out of all of us. And he wants us to grow in that realm. And so I liked that. It's not a dad bod. It's a father figure. And although I think we should, you know, aim to be in shape or work out or camp or do those type of things and, and, and grow in family and grow in Christ, it's uh, we have as an opportunity uh, as a church, both uh, in-house and online. Can you give it up for our online viewers today? Our internet is out, so we're through the iPhone. Internet will be restored uh, next week. We had some some kind of damage come through last night or the night before, and, and uh, we're working it through. Uh, and, you know, maybe it was an attack. Maybe it was just a windstorm. I don't know, but it, it, the Internet's down, and, and we're getting back up this week. So God's good all the time. God is good. And so last year uh, for Father's Day, I used the same text I'm going to use this year, and I may use it again next year because I think the world's hurting for mighty men. Uh, men that are strong in their faith, men that are strong in their integrity, men that are strong in their influence, men that are not ashamed of the gospel. Paul tells us about those type of men. Scripture tells us about those type of men. David, we like to say, surrounded himself with those type of men, but the story really is a little bit different if we go back and rehearse it. And so let's go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, and let's, we don't have it on the side screen, so I'll read it from my Bible. All right, verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 12. These are the names of the mighty men who David had. Josheb Bashhebeth, a Tachnamite. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against the 800 whom he killed at one time. Uh, and the men of Israel withdrew. Verse, uh, and next to him, okay, and, the, and next to him among the three mighty men were Eleazar, son of Dodo, son of Ohi. He was with David when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and those men withdrew. Verse number 10. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clung to the sword, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines gathered together in Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. 
But he took a stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory that day as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are alive and well. We thank you, Father, Lord, for memories and legacies, and those memories and legacies that we can start even today. Watch over us, Father, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, just your love and your joy being the greatest Father of all. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said Amen. This story is about David's mighty men. It's about three guys who were the chief of the chiefs, and then there's another 35 men who are part of the army. Those 38 are part of 400. So it kind of goes down like that. 400 are in the cave. We'll talk about the cave for a moment. And David raises these men up, and they become his confidence. They become his bodyguards. They become chief over his staff. They become all the things that we would see politically now. But back in the day, it was the king that led out to battle. They didn't send troops out. They were the ones. And so David had to build an army army because he was anointed to be the king, okay? And, and so he's, he's, looking at, he's looking at drawing men, but he's also in a deep, dark place. He's in a cave when he's anointed, and he needs to know that, like what, what's going on. And so sometimes in our life, God anoints us to do something, but then he allows us to go through some testing. He allows us to go through some trials. It's like, like I, you know, Dear God, I, I thought my parents would live forever. Then when they're, they're gone, all of a sudden there's an emptiness, there's a void. Or maybe you've lost a child, which, you, which would be, like to me, one of the most brutal things. When you lose a parent, it's, it's, it's kind of part of the season. But when you lose a child, it's out of ordinary, okay? Or David, in his case, was losing family, and he wasn't respected. He had a king that was after him and didn't want him. And so all these things are taking place, and Jesus gives us one word. He gives us the word occupy. And he tells this even to his disciples, because uh, when the disciples are uh, being formed around Jesus, Jesus being the greatest leader that ever lived, he picks a motley crew of misfits, okay? He takes uh, people who are religious zealots. He takes people who are anti-government. He takes people that are pro-government. He takes people, small business owners. He takes people that couldn't make the rabbinic school. He takes all these people together, only 12, and one of them betrays them, and he, he starts to work them over. And then he says, you need to occupy. And the term occupy, being looked up, says to invest with intent. To invest with intent. In fact, let's go to Luke's gospel. I think we have it in King James Version. He called his ten servants, delivered them to uh, ten pounds, and said unto them, occupy till I come. This is a, a religious symbolism for us being busy. Invest with intent. That's what Jesus did for us when he called us into his kingdom. He invested with intent. In fact, it says invest to intent with increase. And so if we were to invest in the stock market or to a small business, we were investing to a, a project, we would expect that there would be an increase of some sort of our investment. There would be intent to invest. This is what we need from people who are Christ followers, especially men. We need to invest into the next generation. We need to invest into our children and into our grandchildren. We need to invest into each other. We need to invest into our church and to our community. That's why I'm excited about the 30 pellets of food that are coming in so that we can give them out. They're all, it's all packaged food, stuff that won't spoil or go bad. We can give to people who are maybe down on their luck or down on their efforts or maybe even have made some bad choices in their life. But now uh, maybe there's a church or a body or a people group that we can say, hey, we know 
you're down. Maybe we've been there, but we can help pick you back up. It's important that we don't keep people down, that we help pick them back up, right? And so uh, Jesus here is saying to occupy. He's telling his disciples that. And that's, that's, a th that's a term that we'll use mainly because it means to invest with intent. If you're going to invest in something, there should be some intent. The intent should be for increase. Now, we would look at it as a financial stake or financial uh, metaphor, but it really means in people. The occupy is a military term that means you need to advance. You need to go forward. Don't sit still. Don't wait back. And listen, parents, especially fathers, uh, absolutely, if you don't raise your children, somebody else will. Somebody else will influence them. Somebody else will pour into them. Somebody else will teach them things that maybe you wouldn't teach them if you were doing things right at home. And I'm going to say this, too, for those mothers who are filling both roles, God bless you. We honor you as well today because that's an important, important aspect, okay? That's, 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 uh, you, have double, you have double the duty. But when you get to the other side, you'll have double the reward as well because you're filling those needs. So moms, thank you for doing what you're doing. Dads, thank you for what you're doing. Kids, uh, honor and love and respect your parents. Grandkids, just let Grammy and Poppy spoil you mercifully. Just, let's just go ahead and be spoiled. That's, that's, that's the joy of, of grandparenting. Thank you, parents in this house. I, I look around and I see good parents. I see parents who love their children, that take them places, do things with them, bring them to church, uh, pour into them, pray into them. That's, that's, a, that's exciting for me because that's, a, that's important. There's a couple things then the scripture shows us in this, in this message, in this scripture that I think we can do. The first thing is, uh, is start. We need to start somewhere. Maybe you're older like me, or maybe you're younger like my grandboys, but you need to start. You need to start at a place that is, that is where, see, we sometimes look at the end result, and we want what somebody else has, but we're not willing to do the work to get there, right? Or maybe we, we get to an age and we think, how in the world did I even get to this place? What, what happened? You can start today. You can start fresh today. It's, you don't have to worry about any mistakes that maybe you made along the way. Today's a fresh start. Look at somebody and say, I'm starting fresh today. Today's a fresh day. It's a new In Christ Jesus, every day is a new day. You have fresh manna every day. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. And then these guys needed a fresh start. Let's go to 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. David departed from there. He was running from Saul, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there with him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul, they gathered to him. Now listen, that's not a happy birthday party. You don't want to gather a bunch of people around you who are mean, angry, and, and full of themselves. Casting excuses and saying, you know, this, this, I'm, I'm, just, I'm mad at the world. You ever hang out with anybody who's mad at the world? They are unpleasant. You know what the problem is? They gather a lot of people around them and think just like they do. Mad at everybody. Mad at God. Mad at this person. Mad at that person. That's who David was having to go down to, and, and they gathered him, and he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Now, I read to you three of them. There's another 35, and then there are these part of the 400. And here's the other thing. If things aren't the way you like them to be, go ahead and change them. David didn't become like them. He had them become like him. 
And it only took one to change 400. So we look at things all the time. Well, I don't have the right people. I don't have the right personnel. This is that. And that's just like that. My boss, he's just an ogre, and I can't stand the guy. And I wish God would kill him. Or at least move him on. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, Maybe a changed you will change him or her. Maybe a change you will change the environment around you. Maybe the change you will change your family. Maybe the change you will change your community or your church or your company. See, I think we have to start somewhere. David's start isn't that good. David, in fact, David's start is pretty bad. He's in a cave, first of all, with 400 men, probably not like public, you know, bathrooms. They're, they're, they're gross. I mean, it's nasty. He lives there between 1 and 12 years, depending on what theologians you study and read. He's been anointed king at 17. He doesn't really come out of the cave until he's 30. He's fighting with Saul, actually running from Saul, has a chance to kill Saul twice, chooses not to because he doesn't want to touch God's anointed nor do his servant any harm. And yet he's, he, this is like, he's like, in many ways, he's anti 2022, where we're supposed to be pushing the blame on everybody and pointing our finger. David's just saying, like, no, I'm not going to, if that's God's guy, then that's God's guy. I'm just going to do my deal. And men, I'm going to tell you, you need to be God's guy. You need to be God's man that raises up for this time. And if you need to start new, fresh today, start new, fresh today. Just let it be a new start. Just let it be something. In fact, I wrote this down. Now think about this. These guys' lives were so bad and distressed and debt, discouraged, disgruntled. A step up was moving into the wilderness with a wanted man. Like this is, like they, David came and un, they, they had heard of David, I'm assuming, They knew who David was. They knew that Samuel went to Jesse's house and anointed one of his sons. And all of a sudden, here's here's David showing up. And by the way, if you read on further on to that scripture, this is the cool part. Marcus talked about it when he opened the service. David's mom and dad show up in the cave too, kind of see what's going on. And David takes his mom and dad to another country and asks the king there, "Would would you watch my mom and dad until I know what God has in store for me? There's something honorable about children who look out for their parents. There's something honorable as, 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 as those children grow that the, they, take, they take a special watch. David was not invited to the party of which he was anointed king. He didn't hold offense to that. So kids, don't be offended by your parents. Honor them. He didn't hold offense to that. And yet he looked out after them and took care of them. Well, he started. This is, this is the start. He changes something that in people that maybe he doesn't want to be like, he ends up in a cave, but he knows he doesn't have to stay there. You don't have to stay where you're at. Nobody's making you stay there. You can start brand new today, amen? You can, be, you can have that fresh start. Number, number two, the second thing is then he calls it. There's a call out. There's a, there's a calling that God allows us to walk through. And we can call those things that aren't as though they are, Romans tells us. And even God does that same thing. In fact, he calls you complete. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows how you're going to turn out. Well, pastor, is that predestination? I believe in choice. Are, the, are you Armenian? Are you Calvin? I'm probably a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I think in this particular case, though, you have choice. 
And anytime you have choice, we should choose God. Amen? And we have choice to proclaim. We have choice to profess. We have choice to declare. We have choice to prophesy. We have choice to dream. We have choice to send those things out. And so there was a, a person in Scripture uh, uh, named Gideon. And Gideon was a coward. Gideon uh, totally was, was really uh, not a valuable person. He, he uh, was, uh, the Midianites ruled the land. He was an Israelite. Midianites were killing the Israelites, so he didn't want to be out in public. He was threshing wheat by the wine press. He should have been doing it on top of the mountain so the wind would blow the chaff away and he would pick up the wheat. He did it down by the wine press, which is underground, 55 degrees, but cold and wet, and so the chaff would fall with the wheat. He he wasn't accomplishing anything, and one day he looks up, and let's go to Judges 6 and 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And some scripture says, O mighty man of war. Or another one says, you mighty warrior, okay? And so there, here is Gideon, who's a coward, hiding, doesn't want to die, and he says to the mighty angel, he says, wait a second, like I'm the least of my house, and my house is the least in Israel, and you're calling me mighty. Someone needs to hear today, you are a mighty man or woman of war. You are a mighty warrior. God has brought you out for a reason. He's, he's got a claim on you, and he's got big things for you. He's going to make, he wants to invest in you with intent. He's selling you to occupy. He has an investment. By the way, he invested his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us. That's a pretty good investment. And he invests with intent. Where's my increase? Now, he's not a, he's not a harsh master. He's a loving father that says, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to pour this into you. I'm going to give this to you. And I want to see what you'll do with it. He gives you talents. He gives you time. He gives you treasure. He gives you efforts. He gives you things in your life that you can say, all right, God, thank you for these things. Only sometimes it takes us a while to, to understand that. And so he wants to call it out. This angel calls out to Gideon, the coward, you mighty man of valor. I'm sure Gideon's looking around like, who are you talking to? I'm the only one here, and yet you're calling me this mighty warrior, this mighty, this mighty man of God. You've heard our story before, but every time Janie and I have had a strong uh, ministry move from the time we left her father's church until the time we came down here, our scripture that someone would prophesy over us was Judges 6 and 12. The Lord is with you, you mighty, you mighty man of war. The Lord is with you, you mighty woman of war. The Lord is with you. And every time, it happened about five or six different times, we knew it was just God. When we uh, left her father's church, uh, the only church Janie had ever known, only pastor she had ever known, we were I was sitting at my kitchen table on a Sunday morning thinking, dear God, <laughs> I, I, I know I've heard you, but I, I need a word. And, and the Lord just started giving me, like I saw scriptures just going through, my, and it stopped on Judges 6 and 12. And at the time, I wasn't really familiar with Judges 6 and 12. And I thought for sure it was going to be a who got, begat, degat. And I thought, this ain't going to make any sense. And I had a trucker's Bible, believe it or not. And there was a trucker's version. And I opened the Bible up, and, and, and Judges 6 and 12 said, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. I ran upstairs, Janie was fixing her hair, kids were getting ready, I said, the Lord gave me a word that he's with us, and she, that's all I need, let's go. And so we had, we had uh, the, 
made plans, talked, prayed for the last, you know, six months with her parents about leaving, and that was a Sunday we were going to leave, and then on to different ministries, and each time, uh, one guy on the radio, Jeff Kaiser, who actually had come speak for us at at our church, he he said, I don't know who this word's for, but you're mighty, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior, I was like, dear God, that's when we took our very first church, and then a lady prophesied over Janie, when another time, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior, And, and listen, it became our anchor verse, and I don't believe we were ever cowards. I don't think we feared anything like that, but it was God just saying the whole time, I will be with you wherever you go. There's, a, there's not only a start in our life, but there's a call in our life, and sometimes you have to even initiate the call because when you initiate the call, you're, you're placing your faith and trust and hope in God Almighty to say, okay, God, I know that you can lead me every step of the way. I know that you're here for me. I'm going to start calling it out. And where God called it out over our life, it's just like he called it over Gideon's. You know the story. He gets an army of 30,000 men. He's feeling pretty good. God says, we've got to whittle this thing down just a little bit. Gets rid of about 23,000. He's got 7,000. Gideon's still feeling pretty good. It's not 30, but I can do it with seven. And God wheels it down to about 300. And Gideon's like, wait a second. I had 300 people. I had 30,000. God was making Gideon a coward no more. He was making him a mighty warrior. And sometimes God brings us through things because he's got to make us a mighty warrior of prayer or evangelism or outreach or student of the word. He's got to make us something because he desires, uh, as any good parent would, he desires to have us succeed and prosper. Like he told Joshua, Like uh, John, the beloved, says, I want you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. I want want you to succeed in life. And so not only do we start, then we start to call things out. There was a day in 2009, on January the 15th, uh, Chesley Sullenberger III uh, woke up. A normal day, he'd been doing the same thing for 30 years in a row, uh, was good at it, looking forward to retirement. He in no way, shape, or form thought he would uh, save 155 people's lives that day. But sure enough, he did. He, he, he went to work, airplane pilot, you know the story, located out of Charlotte, flew out of LaGuardia Airport on that morning or that afternoon, and he hit a, he hit a goose, and the, the engine went down, and he circled over, and he landed the plane in the, in the Hudson, Miracle on the Hudson, Flight 1549, uh, Captain Soli. He didn't wake up that morning thinking he was going to do something great. He woke up that morning just thinking he was going to be the normal person that he is. And can I tell you that? Consistency leads to greatness. When you're consistent, see, a lot of people want to be great. They just don't want the 30 years of experience. They don't want to take the education. They don't want to take the schooling. They don't want to take the experience. They don't, they don't want to take the low person on the job. They want to, be, they want to start off at CEO. You, you ha- and he worked it, and then all of a sudden when, they, uh, when the aviators found out and they, and they grilled him for, for weeks at a time and they ran all these tests and they didn't know for sure if he, was, if he did the right thing, even though he saved 155 people's life, including his own, he said they had, two and a half, they had two and a half months of trial. He had two and a half minutes to think about it. But because of consistency, because of doing it day in and day out and flying the plane, knowing the plane, he see, that's what God needs is people that are consistent in their love for him. That we don't cry out to God when we need something. We cry out to God every day because we love him so much. 
We pray every day because we love him so much. We read the word because we love him so much. He is our Abba Father. He is our Daddy, is, is a literal interpretation. But he is our Father in heaven. He loves us. And so when we're looking at it in human form, uh, you, you remember, especially if your father is gone, you can remember their voice. You can remember their mannerisms. You can remember their actions. You can remember what they're, what they're like, okay? And if they're still alive, then you need to connect with them today. You need to call them up. And if there's a friction there, you need to get over it already. And you need to call and tell them how much you love them because there will be a day that you can't do that. But you'll always have a father in heaven who'll be a father to the fatherless. So we occupy. We invest with intent in each other. Then we start somewhere, and then we, we start to call that thing out. Listen, can we, can we be a church of encouragers? Can we encourage the younger generation? Can we encourage the older generation? I, I, have, a, I have a running coach, all right? And the running coach says this, it doesn't get any easier, you just get better. That's an important statement, because when I was doing my 303 feet of heels yesterday, I, I was running with that in mind. This isn't getting any easier, but I'm getting better. I had a hard time convincing myself that for a while. <laughs> you have to, listen, you have to understand that life doesn't really get any easier. We get more mature. We get more faith. We, de we, get, we get more declarative. We get more passionate. We get more hungry to see what God has in store for us. And so even though it doesn't get any easier, we get stronger. We get better. We, we become who Christ is making us be. We come out of the cave. David and his group came out of the cave, and look, at it was a, it was a game changer when he, came out of that, when he came out of that cave. Okay, the next thing is then you need to start contributing. David, David then became a, there became a, a contribution of sorts. And so while we understand what occupying means to, to invest with intent, we have to start somewhere, Okay. I'm not talking to get into the financial markets, although now's a good time. Go ahead and spend some money there and watch them grow in a few years. And then we have to understand that we're going to start calling those things that aren't as though they are. But now I'm going to contribute. Now it's my time to serve, or now it's my time to lead, or now it's my time to be the, the father or to be the, 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 the husband or to be the grandfather. I can remember uh, when my father passed away seven years ago, I thought, man, it's, it's like it's me and my brother's. Uh, we're a family. You, we got to stay connected. And then when Janie's father passed away last uh, August, I thought spiritual spiritual leads. Now all of a sudden, there's a new there's a new realm that we step in. There's a new realm of spiritual leadership because he was the guy that not only I would call, uh, Marcus would call. Mar uh, we would we would ask questions, and, and it would be it would be like a Bible training uh, PhD style. But he would never open his Bible. It would it would just be th those things. But now there comes a time where it's time for us to contribute. And when we understand the, the contribution part, it's an amazing thing. And I think we have a, another story out of the same chapter. There's a man named Benaiah. Benaiah's a stud. I mean, he, this, the, he's not even one of the top three, but he is part of the 38. He was the son of Jehoadiah and was a valiant man of Gabzeel, okay? He was a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab, all right? It, these guys were sergeants in Moab. He struck them down, killed them. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a snowy day. So he chases the lion down. He kills the lion because the lion made him bad. Now again, 
I'm not saying that you should go killing lions, but the lion was, was, was a source. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. Now, it doesn't really matter if the Egyptian's good looking or not. I mean, what, what does that matter? I, I have no idea why that's in the Bible, but apparently the Egyptian was good looking. We're not sure if Benaiah was or not, but he killed him. Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. This is just an example of Benaiah's contribution to what this mighty army was about. This was a mighty, mighty army. Do we have another scripture? Yeah. This was a mighty army. This, the, these guys that David rose up out of the cave they become mighty men. Now, let me liken it to today because we don't want you grabbing somebody's spear and killing them with it. We don't want you grabbing somebody's gun and shooting them with it. What we want you to do is to intercede, to fast, and to pray for those people that maybe are trying to persecute you on your job. Or maybe those people in your neighborhood or your community that for whatever reason they don't like you. Why don't you really show them what the love of God is like and take them a meal or a dinner or pray for them, intercede with them and just love them, love them to the kingdom of God. Give them, give them life. Give them heaven. Give them a joy that they said, man, I've tried to rile this person up. I can't rile that person up anymore. They must have something that I don't have. And I know that in some parts of the country, and maybe that we're in one of those parts that everybody thinks they're saved, and everybody thinks they're a Christ follower, and everybody, you know, thinks they love God, but the actions don't always show it. It's time for the church to contribute to the community and say, wait a second, we want to be different. We, we want to give food to the homeless, or we want to give people that, that are down on their luck, we want to give them the opportunity to know who Jesus is. There was a man named John. In 1748, he was so brutally mean that at 18, the court said, you can either go to jail or you can join the Navy. So he joined the Navy. Nobody would work with him. He was a vicious uh, atheist, bully, just a mean, mean guy. And maybe you know someone like that. Nobody would hang around with him. Nobody would work with him. So they gave him his own ship. So he became a slave trader. While he was being a slave trader on March the 10th, 1748, his ship started to go down. And Captain John Newton was led to the Lord, the story I read anyways, was led to the Lord by a slave on the ship. Think about that. This guy bought you. He's going to resell you. He's taking you from one country to another. And you have the integrity to lead him to the Lord. Well, when Captain John Newton cried out, the ship started to sink. God turned the ship around. And he wrote a song that we sang part of a little while ago, Amazing Grace, How Great the Sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. One of the most historical great songs that has ever been written in all of Christendom was written by someone who traded people for a living and was an atheist. But when he called out to God because someone didn't hold it, hold him accountable or didn't hold a fence and said, hey, there's a, there's a God you can cry out to that can turn this mess around. And he did. We have to stop wanting bad things to happen to bad people. We have to start thanking God for being the God that he is, a God of character, a God of love, a God of integrity, and a father that wants to raise up a mighty army, not an army to thrash people, not an army to kill people, not an army to, to beat people up, but an army to love, an army to give hope, an army to give life, an army to give joy, an army that says, man, what, what, what's different about you? 
I don't know, I just love Jesus. In Grace Church, we need to love Jesus. And the key there is grace, <laughs> right? And I think that you do. I'm thankful that you are. And then if you're a man in this house, I'm going to speak to you specifically, we need to raise up, mighty men. We need to raise up and be the, be the men of God that God has called us to be so that the next generation does not suffer. And this next generation is looking at you. How are you acting? How, how are you reacting? How, what, are you, what are you doing? How are you doing it? How are you being that person? Are you, are you operating in love? Are you operating in peace? Are you operating in joy? Or what's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your actions? Do those type of things. The last word then is become. At some point in time, then we become. And we, we see this. I saw it in uh, spiritually. I saw it in Janie's grandfather. What a great guy. What, what, a, what a solid individual. Uh, he did not like me because I was Catholic. Uh, and he did not, he did, he really did not. Uh, he would say, Janie, you can do so much better. <laughs> I didn't hold it against him. And, uh, and, and we became great, great, great friends after uh, we got married. Uh, I really think, I don't know, he probably treated everybody that way, but I really do think I was his favorite. I really think, now he, again, not, not out of us, you were his favorite, but maybe I was favored by association. And, and, but he just treated you in this way, and he didn't want, he knew Janie was anointed, and he didn't need her getting mixed up with some Catholic. Now, again, let's look at the big picture again. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopal or, or Pentecostal or Baptist or Free Will or whatever, that doesn't matter. If you love Jesus, you're a Christ follower, we're all on the same team. We're in this thing together, okay? It, 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 God didn't set up boundaries in that, in that way. So now my father-in-law or my, my, my grandfather-in-law, Janie's grandfather, he understands now because he's on the other side, right? Maybe he's hearing us preach. Maybe he's shouting, go get him, tiger. Uh, but he went from not liking to liking because I became. And I think the, that's really beautiful, but in a way, we have to love people before they become. We have to allow them to belong uh, in God's kingdom. Well, well but, but they're not saved. Okay, that's, that's good. We need to let Jesus change their life, but we need to love them like they are saved until they get saved. We need to love them like they're part of the kingdom while we're working, with, working them through. Come on back, worship team. Why is that important? Because if they belong first, all right, then they'll start to believe, and when they believe, then they can become. And if they, can, if they can become in that realm, if they can become that person, if they can become, then God starts to use them. And so while they're belonging, they're feeling the love of a different church or different, because a lot of churches, and I'll call out churches because we are one, we have to be careful that we don't do this. A lot of churches want to pre-qualify people before they come in. Well, you're not one of us, you know. Look at Boyd, he's got shorts on today, he's an usher. OJ, front row, got a deal up here and shorts. I love OJ. You're the coolest dude in the world, man. I want you to sit up front all the time. And flip-flops or whatever those things are you got on. I, I can't be that cool. It's, it's impossible for this guy to be that cool. But listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Some churches wouldn't even want him in there. <laughs> or maybe in the day. 
I've had people quit because our drummer's got tattoos. I love, I love my drummer. It's true. What gives us the right to, to tell people if they're good enough or not? What gives us the right to say, hey, you, you need to start acting this way when we're not acting the way Jesus said when we judge people the way we, should, we shouldn't be judging people and yet we, we look at God and say, God, bless me, bless me, bless me when he wants to bless us to bless others. Mighty men and women of God, it's time for us to step up and say, hey, wait a second, I'm in a cave. Maybe you don't like it, but maybe God's put me in a cave so I can literally change the people that are around me rather than them have them change me. That, that's what Christianity is all about. That's what serving God is all about. That's what leading a family is all about. Not if we get offended or hurt, but if we step up and say, wait a second, time out. The big picture of God is so much bigger than this that I need to allow and want to be people. I want people that look and act differently than me so that we can love each other and together grow in Christ. But the agenda has to be Jesus. The agenda has to be Jesus. If the agenda is Jesus, it's a game changer because then we're united together as one. Judas lost it because his agenda wasn't Jesus. Stand with me today so I can stop preaching. <laughs> and listen, here's the deal. First of all, I love you, man. You know that, right? I, man, you are stoking so cool. I just want to be that cool when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, forget it, right? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. <laughs> In God's eyes, every one of you is so cool. In God's eyes, Every one of you is a mighty warrior and a mighty person of valor. In God's eyes, every one of you is needed because it's now a new generation. It's a generation now that has to move up to another level. And then someday this generation's not going to be here and God's going to call on another generation and another generation and another generation. And if we don't get our act straight, if we're continuing just to jack around with people or mess around with people or let people mess around with us, this is what David got. David totally understood. I got to change these guys and they're going to be my heroes down the road. Like these guys are going to be with me for the next 30 or 40 years. Now that I have spiritual advisors in my life that have gone home, I personally wish I'd have spent more time with them. Rather than trying to change them, I wish I'd have let them change me. So if you're a man in this house, I want you to come stand across the front. We just want to pray for you. Then after service, we have some people at a table that have a, a pop and a popcorn. Come on up, get, get real close, gather in. Because you're, you're, you're that generation. You're, you're, the, you're the people that God are, are making. All right, this is, this is me. This is us. Yeah, this is us. We're that generation. We're, we got to raise up. Some of you are fathers. Some of you are grandfathers. Some of you are blended families. We've got moms in the house that are doing both. We, listen, we need you. We need you. We need you. And we thank you. We're, we're thankful for the, the new people that we're meeting. 
thankful for the new people that that uh, that are that, that love God. We're thankful for the ones who are who are growing in their in their Christianity. We thank you for for the ones who are who are, who are willing to step out by faith and say, "Yeah, I can be that mighty man." So it starts today. It starts today. If it, if it hasn't started by now, it starts today. But maybe you're well on your journey then you pour into the next generation. You pour into your kids or your grandbabies. You pour into a neighbor or a coworker because we need you. We need you desperately. God needs you and he wants you and he's making everything available for you. Can I pray for you? Close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're out there, just raise your hand this way. And the men, I want you to stay up here and just worship with us one last song because Jesus is in the fire with you. He, he is walking this race with you. Father, we thank you so much for each and every person. Thank you for everybody in the house. Thank you for, especially for these men. God, would you just anoint them for this time? Make them, make them Davids, make them Benayas, make them Shamas, make them, make them these mighty men of war and valor. Lord, that don't fight with their fists, but they fight with their prayers. Lord, they don't, they don't speak evil out of their mouth. They continually praise you like David did. Father, I thank you for them. Bless them. Bless their families. Bless their their uh, their spouses. Bless their children, their, their grandchildren. Bless everything they touch, God. Bring them into a fresh anointing, into a newness, oh God. Father, Lord, let them never undervalue who they are. Even if the world makes jokes about fathers or men, Father, Lord, let you know, Father, Lord, let these men know that they are mighty warriors to you. Lord, if they're in a cave right now, you bring them them out, Father, with flying colors. You bring them out, Father God, Lord, with an army behind them. Lord, let Grace Church stand with them. Thank you for who they are. Father, we speak anointing and freshness and blessing over them. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church in agreement said, amen. Guys, stay up here. Let's worship together. Then we have some gifts for you in back.
Father in heaven. He's speaking that to you today. All right, and women, you're mighty warriors as well. So let's just receive that word today and let's go forward in power and in the anointing that God has for each one of us. Amen. Let's close the service in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for calling us who we are. You have called us your children. God, you have called us chosen. You have called us blessed. Lord, you have called us mighty men and women of God, men of valor and mighty warriors, God. So I pray that you would just give us the charge, give us the task, order our steps and direct our paths, Lord, so that we can charge forward into battle, claiming victory for our families and for our community and for the things that you have for us. Lord, that we will not stop until we have obeyed you to the last command. Lord, I thank you for the fathers here today. Lord, and I thank you for each one of us that have a father to celebrate. Lord, whether he be alive or not, whether he be awesome or not, Lord God, we just celebrate that you uh, have given us uh, inheritance in Christ Jesus, that we are your children, God. And I pray that you would bless each person today. Fill us with your spirit to do the work that you have called us to do. And I pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day. Don't forget your pop and your popcorn. All righty. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.